This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. King Louis XIV of France died, and at his funeral in the chapel there was a lone candle burning. King Louis was known as the great, the great king. And when the minister stood to speak at his funeral, he reached over to the lone candle that was burning and he snuffed it out. And this is what he said about the king. Only God is great. Isn't that something? Only God is great. And I have to agree with a minister who preached the funeral of King Louis the Fourteenth of France, the king who was known as the great king. There's only one king that's great. God is great. Today we want to talk about the greatness of God. Our theme is, How Great Thou Art. That's a title of a, a very well-known hymn that's sung all over the world. How great thou art. Please stay tuned as we talk about this marvelous, marvelous subject today, the greatness of our God. I'm Billy Lambert, and I'd like to welcome you today to Getting to Know Your Bible, especially if this is the first time that you've seen the telecast. Please stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize the fact that it is free. We want you to have the opportunity of studying this course in the privacy of your home. We're going to pause now so that you can, number one, learn a little bit more about the course, and number two, learn how you can receive it. Thank you. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading now from Psalms chapter 145, verse 3. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Oh, how great God really is. You began to think about God, and there's no way that any of us can fully comprehend God, God's thinking, or even God's ways. Listen to prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and verse 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts than your thoughts, <laughs> and my ways than your ways. You know, 
How, how puny we must look to God when we, uh, with our thoughts and our ways, you know, th thinking that some, some of us think we're wiser than God. But God is so superior to man. Uh, Job chapter 11 and verse 7 reads, Canst thou by searching find out God? And there's an answer to that question. And the answer is no. No. We'll never know all there is to know about God so long as we're in this world. And then think about Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways are past finding out. His ways are past finding out. How great is our God. Then listen to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number 3. Ascribe greatness unto our God. Now look at the text one more time. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. The Bible declares the greatness of God. It declares His greatness. I'm going to read some passages to you. You might want to jot some of these verses down to read later yourself. First of all, from Daniel, the second chapter, and verse 45, The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. What kind of God? The great God. The great God has made known to the king what's going to happen. Then listen to Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 6. Great is the Holy One of Israel. And then listen to Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Don't tell me God is not great. Then what about Psalms chapter 48 and verse 1? Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Oh, God is so great. Then listen to Psalms chapter 95, verse 3. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. Now, men have a lot of little gods today. In the, in the religious world of the religious today, there, there are little bitty gods that men have and they serve, but there's no God uh, like the God of heaven. There's no person like the God of heaven, for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. And God is so great in His marvelous power. Think about the greatness of His power. Listen to Psalms chapter 66 in verse 3. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. See, it's God's power, His power. He's great in His goodness. Listen to Psalms 31, 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness. Great in power, God is great in goodness. Then He's great in anger. Listen to Numbers chapter 11 and verse 10. The anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And then listen to 
uh, a passage in the book of Zechariah chapter 9 verse 17 about the greatness of His beauty. How great is thy beauty. God is great in beauty. And then listen to Numbers chapter 14 and verse 18. God is great in mercy. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. Think about how great God is. And then He is great in kindness. Not Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 17. And thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. As I was reading that passage, I thought about a, a wonderful sermon could be developed from that simple passage of Scripture. God is a God uh, ready to pardon, number one, gracious, number two, merciful, number three, slow to anger, number four, and of great kindness, number five. How great is our God. Yes, indeed, when you study the Bible, one of the things that ought to be impressed on us is how great God really is. How great thou art. But then, friends, the, the universe declares the greatness of God. Now, we, we read passages like Psalms 19 and 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Or passages like Romans chapter 1, verse 20, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so they're without excuse. You know, we exist, therefore something is. But something does not come from nothing. Can you imagine a time that there was absolutely nothing? Everything exists comes from something. And it either comes from mind or matter. It either comes from just inanimate matter, or it comes from some form of intelligence. And all that we see around us has the marks of intelligence all over it. Hebrews 3 and 4 says, Every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. There are signs of, of design and intelligence in a building that someone constructs. And there are signs of intelligence and, and design in the universe there is around us today. Everything has a, has a cause behind it. For every effect, there is some kind of a cause behind it. You take this table that, that's, that's right here by my side. That table did not just happen. There's something that caused that table to happen. This is the effect. And behind this effect, there must be a cause. There has to be someone who built it, someone who put it together, who someone constructed it and made it just like it is today. But behind every effect, there has to be an adequate cause. Suppose a person went out fishing in their favorite lake and they're sitting on the bank doing their fishing and, and then all of a sudden they see this whirlwind, terrible whirlwind out on the water. It is stirring the water. They've never seen anything like it before. And then all of a sudden they just determine that that whirlwind was caused by a little tiny mosquito flying over the water. 
Someone says, no, no, Brother Lamp, that didn't happen. Why? Because a, a, a mosquito could not de- create such an effect on the water as a whirlwind. Well, that's exactly right. For every effect, there has to be an adequate cause. And a whirlwind out on the water is not affected by a little tiny mosquito. There has to be an adequate cause for that whirlwind. And for every effect we see in the world today, there is an adequate cause behind it, and that adequate adequate cause is God. God created it all. I've often thought for a person to say that God doesn't exist, you know, they'd have to be God themselves. They'd have to have all of the attributes, attributes of the God of the Bible. All-knowing, omnipresent, omnipotent. All the attributes that God has, they'd have to have every one of them. For, for a person to say, there is no God. You know, Psalms 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. For a person to say that God doesn't exist, they would have to know everything. I don't mean almost everything. They would have to know everything. They'd have to not have all knowledge. Because if there's one thing they don't know, that that one thing they may not know is the fact that there is a God. And for a person to say that God doesn't exist, well, that would have to have been everywhere. Because if there's one little place they've never been, that might be where God is. The fact is, God exists. And have you ever thought about the vastness of the universe? When the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God, have you ever thought about how vast the universe is? Someone said, suggested, if you were to bore a hole in the sun, this is how many uh, earths, that is, uh, planets the size of the earth, you could put inside the sun, 1,200,000. And you could put 4,900,000 moons inside the sun. Neptune is 75 times larger than the earth. And it is 3 billion miles away from us. It's 93 million miles to the, to the sun. And someone calculated that if you were to travel 60 miles an hour to the sun, it wouldn't take you but 177 years to get there. Venus is 35 million miles from the sun. Mars is 140 million miles from the sun. Jupiter is 1,250 times farther than the earth. And Saturn is 790 million miles from the earth. Uranus is 65 times as big as the earth. And, And think about Neptune. If you were to travel at the rate of 100 miles an hour, it would take you 300 years to reach Neptune. And if you were to start counting to 1 million at the rate of 100 per minute, it would take you 19 years just to count to a billion. And yet Neptune is 2,780,000,000 miles away. And the nearest star to Earth is Alpha Centauri, and it's 10,000 times farther away than all of that. Someone said that if you were to take a small penny and let that penny represent the Earth, 
that little small penny represents the earth. The distance to the nearest star in comparison would be 350 miles away. I just can't comprehend the vastness of the universe. I cannot. But when you think about the universe around us, it just tells us there is a God. The heavens declare the greatness of our God. And then the human body, you think about the human body, it declares how great God is. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist declared in Psalms 139. And think about just a few things about the human body. Think about where your ears are. Is it an accident that your ears are just on each side of your body and that you have two of them? Why, why do we need two ears? Why not just one ear? And why isn't that ear on the top of your head? When God created our body, He put the ears where they needed to be so that we could hear everything around us. And you think about your nose. Why is the nose constructed the way it is? Right over your mouth. Someone says so that, so that you could smell the food you eat, whether it's bad or not. Well, I don't know whether that's the case or not, but God put it right where it needed to be. Why do we have two eyes? Why don't we have one huge eye right in the middle of our forehead? It's because God knew that we needed two eyes with which to see. God created this body in a marvelous way. When you think about the human eye, the human eye is nothing more than just a camera inside your head that projects images that you see. Think about how marvelous it is. Think about the human brain. The human brain is nothing more than a computer that's inside your head that stores information, all the information that you've ever been subjected to all the images you've ever been subjected to are stored in your brain. I don't might think God made the first computer, and that was man's brain. But man has been fearfully and wonderfully made. Think about the human body. Oh, God created the human body for us to, to survive upon this earth. Think about the heart that's pumping blood through the body. Think about this circulatory system. Think, think about all the various parts of the human body that are, are necessary for our survival upon this earth. But then, not only does the human body declare the greatness of God, the cross of Jesus Christ declares His greatness. It declares the greatness of God's divine mercy. Ephesians chapter 2 says, God is rich in mercy. And God demonstrated His mercy to humanity by giving Jesus Christ to die upon the cross of Calvary. Titus 3 and 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. God is great in His mercy. And it was the mercy of God that caused Jesus to come into this world to die upon the cross of Calvary. God is great in His love. God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, 
Think about that. He loved us while we were yet sinners. He loved us when we were not lovable. He loved us when we didn't love Him. While we were unlovable, while we were uh, sinners, God sent Jesus to die in our place. And it is because of that death, because of His death on the cross, that we can be saved from the wrath to come. Listen to verse 9. Much more than being justified by His blood, we are saved from wrath through the Lord Jesus Christ, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, saved from the wrath of God, by the death of Christ on the cross. The cross is, shows and demonstrates the greatness of our God. And then there's the greatness of His truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. But in John 8, 32, Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We live in a time where people say, well, truth is really not truth. You have your truth, I have my truth. And, and, it, and truth is true to you, and my truth is true to me, and we all have truth. But there is one truth, and that one truth, that absolute truth, is God's truth, the truth Jesus taught. Pilate stood before Jesus, and Pilate asked the question, What is truth? Think, I think it's ironic about all of that. His truth was standing in before him, and he didn't recognize it. And because back in chapter 14, Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is the personification of truth. Everything Jesus taught is true. It's the truth. In John 17, 17, he said, Sanctify them with thy word. Thy word is what? Truth. There's truth. We live in a time where truth is fall upon deaf ears. We live in a time where people say truth is relative. There's no absolute truth. Are you sure about that? Someone says, I'm sure about that. Well, then if you're sure there's no such thing as absolute truth, then there's one, such, one absolute truth that exists in the world, and that one absolute truth that exists is that you're sure there's no such thing as absolute truth. Well, somebody says, Brother Lambert, that can't be exactly. There is absolute truth, and that is truth that comes from the great God of heaven. Man doesn't have the prerogative of changing God's truth. I read the other day someone said that the, the Bible needs to be updated today. And, and we need to change the Bible, the way we understand the Bible, in keeping with culture today. No. We need to catch up with the Bible. Man is out of date today. Man is behind the times today. Man needs to catch up with the Word of God. It's man that is out of date. It is man that is out of tune with the, with, with the Word of God. We need to just catch up with it. Because the Bible as it is, it is adapted to suit the needs of man as he is in any age of the world. You see, God's greatness, God's greatness is declared by the cross of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus went to that cross of Calvary, and died for the sins of the world. He did that because God loved you so. The resurrection of Jesus declares the greatness of God according to the work of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Ephesians 1.19 Jesus has been resurrected 
It was predicted by David the prophet back in Psalm 16 and 10, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And on the day of Pentecost, in the second chapter of Acts, when Peter was quoting that prophecy, in verse 31 he said, He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, that is in the unseen world, but, but, but neither did he suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Jesus Christ has been resurrected. That declares the greatness of God. Declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. How? How, Paul? By the resurrection from the dead. Romans 1, verse 4. But then finally in conclusion, the greatness of God is declared by the lives that we live every day. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what God is able to do in your life and mine? Well, according to Hebrews 7, 25, He's able to save us. Uh, according to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, He's able to keep that which I've committed unto Him. According to Ephesians 3 and 20, He's able to do above all that we ask or think. And according to 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, He's able to make all grace abound. He is an able God. He is not a puny God. God is great. In 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 24, listen to this. Consider how great things He hath done for you. God is great. May God bless us to recognize how great Thou art. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And right now, let me encourage you to pick up the telephone and call right now for the free Bible correspondence where you say, well, why are you doing that? Because we want you to get to know your Bible. We want you to learn more about the Word of God. And we want to send you this study guide they will help you in doing that. And also, we want you to, you can take it online or you can send uh, to us a letter or you can call us right now and, and we'll get your name, address, and we'll send the course to you uh, and you can study it in the privacy of your home. Whatever you do, however you get it, let me encourage you to call for the free Bible course. I want to thank you for watching today and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.